Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you just allow yourself to be put in a position again to where you can be hurt. It just means that you're willing to offer offer them mercy in such a way that you can move forward with your life and not allow that hurt to hold you back. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you forget. It means that every time you remember, you forgive. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Throughout history, people have longed to understand what God's will is for their life. We often struggle with difficult questions and decisions related to our families, careers, our hopes and dreams, and our futures. Sometimes when faced with challenges and hardships in life, our faith can be tested and it becomes hard to understand what God wants us to do. Fortunately for us, the Bible offers many great lessons and encouragement to help us through these difficult times. One great example can be found in the life of Joseph. In this sermon series, we'll be examining the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis to uncover the main theme of God's faithfulness even when life doesn't go our way. Please enjoy the message. It was with Joseph, and the brothers hated him for it. They despised him for it. But they've changed. The unsettling of the situation around them, the treatment of Joseph, they're, they're learning from their own mistakes. They've changed. And do they now resent the fact that Benjamin has received more than them, that he is getting favored? No. They're just happy that they can sit and eat and drink freely. They could care less about that because they care so much about him. They're changing right here before our eyes as we read these words. And then Joseph. So all the men, they come together, and then Joseph gives these instructions to the steward of the house. As they set off, fill the men's sack with as much food as they can carry. Put each man's silver in the mouth of the sack, and then put my cup, this important cup, valuable cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, referring to Benjamin, along with the silver for his grain. And he did, as Joseph said, he did all of this. And then after they had set off, he runs after them. And when he caught up with them, he repeated these words to them that, that Joseph had just shared. But they said to him, why does my Lord, referring to the brothers, say such things? Far be it for your servants to do anything like this, for, for there to be something that was uh, stolen from him, especially as valuable as this cup. Each of them quickly lowered a sack to the ground and opened it. And then the steward proceeded to search, beginning from the oldest, Reuben, and ending with the youngest, Benjamin. And the cup was found in his sack. And at this, they tore their clothes. When was the last time clothes were torn? How many of them tore their clothes when Joseph was murdered by that animal? At least that was the story. It was just Jacob. But they've changed. They're different now. In fact, they're so different now that all of them tear their clothes over Benjamin's situation. And then they loaded all, all that they had on their donkeys and they returned to the city. What a sad ride that must have been back as they were wondering what they were going to do with themselves, how they were going to get out of this, how they were going to make this work. 
And when they came to the house, Joseph was still in it when Judah, because he is now the leader, and his brothers came in. And they threw themselves to the ground again. And Joseph said to them, what is it that you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? Now this is not saying that he did do that. I don't even know if it's saying he implying that he did that. But what it is saying is like he's trying to justify the fact that he had this knowledge. What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied, what can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the one who's found to have the cup. But Joseph looks at him. He says, you know what? I'm not going to hold all of you responsible for this. It's just going to be him. The one that had the cup in his bag. He's going to pay. And so then, from there, Judah begins to plead with Joseph. And actually, this is the longest recorded speech in Genesis. For 16 verses, he just shares with him what's going on, what has happened, and why it is that they can't leave Benjamin behind. And he has this dramatic conclusion. The man who sold Joseph off into slavery for just a few pieces of silver. So now, if the boy is not with us, when I go back to your servant, my father... And if my father, whose life is closely bound with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. So, now then, please let me, your servant, Judah, remain here as the Lord's slave in place of the boy. And let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No. Do not let me see that misery that would come on my father. Years ago, he could care less what would come upon his father and how his father would respond to losing a son, but now he can't, he can't, he can't even imagine the idea of telling his father that Benjamin has been lost, and so he willingly offers his life for another. This is the first place in the Bible that someone willingly offers their body, offers himself as a sacrifice for another. And it's in that that we see a foreshadowing of what will happen with Jesus Christ who offers himself as a, as a, as a propitiation, propitiation. He offers himself as a sacrifice freely for each and every one of us. And that is why Jesus did not come as a lion of the tribe of Reuben or Simeon, but he came as a lion as the, of the tribe of Judah. And how does Joseph respond? He could take it no longer. He couldn't control himself before his attendants, and he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph then when he made himself known to his brothers, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. And he revealed himself. I mean, what a moment that must have been. How absolutely terrifying for his brothers who had sold him off into slavery and had kept this lie going for years that he had died. He's saying, no, no, the man that you've been talking about, that's me. I am Joseph. Is my father, is he really still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And then Joseph said to his brothers, 
I'm going to get even with you. No, he didn't say that. He said, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold. And now, though, do not be distressed. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save the lives that God sent me ahead of you. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives, and we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program. For two, year, two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you, for you, a remnant on earth to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. And so in the midst of this hurt, he doesn't retaliate. He doesn't seek vengeance. He forgives. We see some key principles of forgiveness that we all need to hang on to. As again, you think about that one, that thing, those people who hurt you. Here's what we have to learn from Joseph if we're gonna take that step of forgiveness, and it's this, is that forgiveness releases my right to retaliate forever. Because I'm not going to try to get even, and you aren't either. I had a sister who sat with me several years ago, and she had been in an incredibly abusive relationship, manipulative, financially manipulative, emotionally coercive, physically abusive. And, and she wanted to get even, but she knew that she couldn't. And she just said, I just, she was talking to me about the Bible, and she said, I just wish there was a verse in the Bible that would let me know that this is going to even out somehow. Because we feel that way sometimes. Romans 12 speaks to that. Of why it is that we just need to move on and not retaliate. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Because sometimes there will be wrath that needs to happen. That needs to be exerted on others. For it is mine, for it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. 
And so when we forgive, we're saying, Lord, you understand the situation better than me. You know how to handle this better than I do. So I'm releasing my right to retaliate forever. The second principle that we learn of forgiveness is that it means that we are going to do our part to reconcile the relationship the best that we can. We're going to do the best that we can to go to the person, sit with them, talk with them, and to maybe even somehow become connected again with them in some capacity. But it also means when we offer forgiveness that there may be some boundaries that need to be put up. There may be some distance that needs to be had. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you just allow yourself to be put in a position again to where you can be hurt. It just means that you're willing to offer, offer them mercy in such a way that you can move forward with your life and not allow that hurt to hold you back. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you forget. It means that every time you remember, you forgive. Perhaps one of the most powerful forces in our world is a desire and ability to forgive others who have hurt us. Because it's in that forgiveness that we are displaying to someone else the forgiveness that God has shown us and love that God has shown us in Jesus Christ. You might have been bit by the hurt, but that doesn't mean that you have to become bitter because of the hurt. And when we allow that to happen, that forgiveness and love can consume our lives and control us and not the hurt that has come against us. And because of that, God's kingdom goes out from us. Romans 12 again says these words, don't repay evil for evil. On the contrary, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. It's not the mean that somebody hurts you, you just go to their house with a basket of bread. That's not what he's saying. I mean, he is kind of saying that, but my point is more with you is like your action to that individual is not gonna be one of retaliation because you aren't going to be overcome by the evil that has come against you. And neither will I. Instead, we will allow goodness to overcome that evil. The last thing that we learned from Joseph in this story is that forgiveness acknowledges the sovereignty of God even in a terrible situation. Joseph looked at it all and with so much maturity, he said, I'm trusting God to this situation and there has been countless and boundless fruit that has come about as a result of that. Genesis 50, 20, he recounts what we've already read. As for you, he says to the brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several 
several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, We wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast. Do you remember the little girl I was telling you about at the beginning? Aggie. She, she grew up in South Dakota, and her parents, they established a fairly successful ministry in South Dakota. Not really sure exactly what that looks like in South Dakota. Maybe it's a few dozen people. I'm not sure. But anyway, they decided not to be missionaries. They go into ministry, South Dakota, super successful. Uh, she grows up in this Christian home, in this adopted family, goes to a Christian college, meets a Christian man, gets married. Great things are coming from her life, but she always knew there was something a little off. She had been abandoned, and she knew the story. She knew her parents' names. In 1963, decades after her father gave her over to another, a magazine showed up in her mailbox. The magazine was a Swedish religious magazine. And on the cover of the magazine was a white cross. And on the cross was the name Sivia Flood. Aggie immediately knew this was her mother. She knew uh, who who that grave site was. And so she, she flips through the magazine to try to find out what, what the story was about, but she can't read. It's all in Swedish. She never learned Swedish. So she, she goes to a local university, finds somebody there that could interpret the magazine for her, and the person begins to read the story that the front cover was prompting them to read in the midst of the magazine. And what was the story? It was a story of a young couple who traveled from Sweden named, named David and Sivia Flood. They went into the heart of Africa, there in the the Belgian Congo, and they attempted to reach this very remote village, but the village wanted nothing to do with them. But there was one boy who they were able to convert to faith in Christ. The couple, sadly, would not remain there long. One couple would go away, as the story would say in the magazine, And then this woman, Sivia Flood, would die just after giving birth to a little girl. The little girl's name is Ina. And this man, David Flood, would travel back to Sweden, but the boy, the little boy, would go go back to his village, and after a few years, he would ask the chief if he could build a church there. And it was at this church that he would then, over the course of a few years, convert the entire village to Christianity. And then through the course of more work in the area, 600 ministers would be equipped and sent out 
for the, to spread the gospel in Zaire. And at the reading of that magazine in 1963, that little boy had grown to be in the top position in the national church there that consisted of 110,000 baptized believers. And David Flood left that area thinking he had failed and God had turned his back on him. Well, that's a story that Aggie had to tell. And so she traveled to Sweden and she has an autobiography called Aggie. And it's there she was able to reconnect with her, with her half brothers and sisters. And she was there to tell them the story of what had happened from the work that her father had done. And, and so she goes to these brothers and sisters of hers. And I'm going to read to you a portion of her book. She asked to speak to her father. And they respond, you can talk to him even though he's very ill now. But you need to know that whenever he hears the name of God, he flies into rage. Aggie would not be deterred. She walked into the squalid apartment with liquor bottles everywhere and approached the 73-year-old man lying in a rumpled bed. Papa, she said tentatively. He turned and began to cry. He had already heard she was coming. Ina! I never meant to give you away. It's all right, Papa, she replied, taking him gently in her arms. God took care of me. The man instantly stiffened. The tears stopped. God forgot all of us. All our lives have been like this because of him. He turned his, he turned his face on us, from us. But Aggie reached over and stroked his, her father's face and then continued undaunted, Papa, I've got a story to tell you. It's a true one. You didn't go to Africa in vain. Mama didn't die in vain. The little boy that you both won to the Lord grew up to win the whole village to Jesus Christ. The one that you planted, the seed that you planted just kept growing and growing. And today, there are 600 African people serving the Lord because you and Mama were faithful to the call of God on your life. And now he's leading a church of over 110,000 baptized believers. Papa, Jesus loves you. He has never hated you. And I've never hated you either. The old man turned back into his daughter's eyes. His body relaxed. And he began to talk. And by the end of the afternoon, he had come back to the God who he had resented for so many decades. And over the next few days, father and daughter enjoyed the warm moments together. Aggie and her husband soon had to return to America though. And within a few weeks, David Flood had gone into eternity. What changed David Flood? It was the forgiveness of a daughter and the forgiveness that he was reminded of, of a heavenly father. And so my encouragement is that all of us would take that step to offer that same forgiveness to another in our lives and to see the blessings that God has given us 
and see the fact that he hasn't turned from us, but instead to experience the hope that is found in his son, Jesus Christ. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you forget, but it does mean that every time you remember, you forgive. And the amazing thing is, is that, that we have all of that in Jesus Christ. And here in a moment, we're gonna have a time of communion in which we remember the forgiveness that all of us have received in him. I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna have a time of communion and our team's gonna lead us in worship. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would take that step of forgiveness that each of us needs to take and that we would no longer be held back or held down by that burden, but instead we would be delivered from it. And Lord, that as we are, that we would continue to walk and maybe even more so to run down the path you would have for us as we reflect on the sacrifice your son made for us in the name of Jesus, we pray. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.